Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Welcome back to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Christy, and I'm here with my friends Matt and Ben. I'm here. Hey, Christy. Hey guys. Hi. It's good to see I, you. It's good, good to, to see you, too. Here. It's freezing here in Colorado. I can tell. I have a, have a hat on <laughs> and, a, and like a vest yeah. on and all the things. What is the temp? It's, it's freezing here, too. It's probably not that cold. I'm just a wimp. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it gets cold in Colorado. We, yeah, I yeah. think it was 18 degrees this morning. That's yeah, cold. That's pretty cold. That so. is chilly. Yeah. It's not a contest, Christy, but it was 13 here. No. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a contest, so don't worry about it. Okay, uh, okay. If you're thinking, you know, like, I lost the weather contest, don't think that. Christy, do. does, Christy does like contests, though, Ben. <laughs> I totally do. That's kind of her weak spot. It's the Enneagram um, 3 coming out there. Not only you're not winning the temperature contest, you're also not winning the I got pulled over for leaving my neighborhood by rolling through a stop sign contest <laughs> like somebody else I no. know did. That, that Come is, on. That is did that happen true. this week? I, it happened this morning. Oh, I, my I was, God. <laughs> uh, so it happened this morning. I was pulling out of my neighborhood and, you know, just doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, like cop, you know, po- police lights in the rearview mirror. And I was like, oh, gosh, I just it's been so long since I had to interact with a police officer. <laughs> Uh, but he was a very, he was, you know, I live in the suburbs and he was a very nice, uh, he's a very, very nice man. He's like, he, he just told me several, like twice. He was like, you have to come to a full and complete stop at a stop sign. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And he was like, do you think, do you think it's sufficient to just give you a reminder this time? I was like, I do. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I'm happy about that. So anyway, I had my license, I had my registration. I was like, oh. How much is this going to cost me? And what did I do? I had no idea what I did either. I was like, I don't mm. think I was speeding, but mm-hmm. I see what it was now. Full stop. And then when I came back, I saw him in the, like, I saw where he was and he's like sitting, like hiding, mm. you know, oh, everybody who exits up. the neighborhood, like, you know, he probably pulled over 18 people that morning. That's yep. my assumption. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so ben. disaster oh, averted. Funny. Ben. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> so, if last I've week, said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Last week we we made a bunch of these statements and comments, and I'm not kidding. We we were like two minutes before we hit play, and a friend of mine, uh, her first name's Michelle. She says, "I'm at the Y listening to the Gravity podcast with Lisa Sharon Harper." Fire emoji. But need you to know, I made a scene laughing on the treadmill during the intro. When it got to, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. I literally almost fell off the treadmill. <laughs> So uh, maybe we need to say this. Uh, sometimes yeah. we put disclaimers before podcasts if we're talking about yeah. like a sensitive subject or a trigger warning. Right. Look, yeah. you you probably shouldn't work out, operate heavy machinery, right. yeah. uh, have a knife in your hand, cutting yeah. vegetables. Yeah. Gravity leadership Just, takes no responsibility for injuries incurred while listening. Lay down in a dark room. <laughs> Our lawyers told us we needed with to. With padded walls. <laughs> oh, you guys. That's uh, a funny image. Like. Have it's you ever funny. seen somebody trip on a treadmill? Oh, my oh, wife. You, it, There's YouTube videos. We, yes. Man, it's hard not to up. laugh. It's, it's just it's, so funny. And you feel so bad for them. But, you know, it's also happened to me. So you just have to laugh so, about it. So 
Yes, you do. My, uh, can I tell you a treadmill story? Yeah, do right. please. Uh, the other day, we we have a treadmill in the basement. We got used uh, for us to you know just get a little get a little exercise in every once in a while in the winter. Um, but anyway, my wife was using it the other day, um, just sort of like reading and uh, and and walking. And our dog, our little tiny dog who weighs eight pounds, followed her you know downstairs because she just wants to be with you all the time. And um, just sort of casually, like Deb didn't notice it at, <laughs> at first, but just sort of casually tried to step up onto the treadmill, like to be with Deb while she was walking. <laughs> oh, and this no. little dog just like, whoop, just like, sw- <laughs> like flipped over once and just like uh, left left the treadmill. So anyway, oh, it's pretty. Didn't didn't know what hit her. So I picked up Soren from high school yesterday, and uh-huh. he's like walking into the car, and you know, there's tons of kids like. In high school, like all standing, where kind of where the everyone comes out, and oh. all of a sudden, like I don't see him anymore, and he totally biffed, like right on oh. the sidewalk, <laughs> <laughs> like backpack, lunchbox, everything went oh, flying, gosh. and I just yeah. started laughing. He got in the car, we both laughed together. But oh, that's yeah. good. man, yeah. that's funny. Especially yeah. you know, I don't know, you don't want anyone to get hurt, but it is humor. funny. It is so, funny. I don't know before we funny. before we just get to this interview, uh-huh. and Ben, you've got some blurbs. I can see them bubbling all, in your in we your. We always have blurbs. Um, burbling, bur- <laughs> bubbling blurbs. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, I said my wife, and then I didn't finish the sentence, and I want to make sure everybody knows that my wife is not, uh, she's not mm. want to be tripping on treadmills. She just oh. really enjoys that kind of comedy. Oh, yeah. My wife, yeah. that's her too. favorite oh, yeah. comedy. She just loves oh, it. If you, yeah. if you fall off a roof in a movie, that's an Academy <laughs> Award right there. I there's just something Home about, yeah, well, yeah, and uh, Santa, the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus, yeah, you know those kinds of things. Yeah, it's just a, every time. All right, that's why Home Alone is a classic. All the it's physical all the, humor. It's all the scatological humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that anyway? That's, is that what that's called? Scatological humor? Oh, I don't oh no, know. no, no. That's like uh, isn't uh, like isn't disgusting scat, humor? Like isn't like scat like uh, animal poop? Yeah, yeah. Scatological is poop jokes, right? Poop jokes? Yeah, I Let's think that's not what that do means. That. What's, no, what's that? Time we, out. Went all, not... we, went all, we went all Latin derivative on that word right there. <laughs> that's how you do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Well, well, tell us your blurbs. Yes, the blurbs. These are our blurbs, guys. They belong to all of us. Uh, these are Gravity's blurbs. Uh, beloved listeners, if you are not part of our online community, please join gravityleadership.com slash join. It's free. You get uh, access to our latest content. We'll email you when new stuff is happening. And we email you every Friday. Uh, well, most Fridays, unless I'm on vacation, uh, with a list of uh, links uh, to articles that we found interesting or helpful uh, during the week. So gravityleadership.com slash join. Join our online community for free. And also, we just launched, uh, how long ago was it? Three weeks ago? We just launched yeah. the Gravity Commons, which is a paid membership platform. Um, we do all kinds of uh, cool stuff in there, and we've uh, just just begun. Um, but we've got, you know, there's like, there's like 50 people in there now. Um, and it's not too late to join. We just had somebody mm-hmm. text us and wonder if it was too late. No. And it's never too late. You can join. You guys can still join. Yeah. Um, we do all kinds of cool stuff in there. Uh, and a lot of it is giving, giving you all, giving our Commons members access to some of our podcast recordings. So we've got some stuff coming up. Um, we've got a, one next week. Next, is it next week? Uh, January 31st um, with Megan Chance and Allison McKinney-Tim yeah. uh, to talk about faith and politics and the oh, Equal Rights Amendment and what that has to do with faith, the gospel and Christianity and 
all of that kind of stuff. So if you'd like to get in on that conversation uh, and others, uh, we've got uh, conversations coming up on purity culture. Uh, we've got conversations coming up on uh, with Melissa Flora Bixler on how to have an enemy and what it means to kind of uh, seek peace and justice in our time. Uh, come and join us in the commons, gravityleadership.com slash commons. There's all kinds of other stuff that I can't get into, but all the information is there mm. at that site. Yep. Gravityleadership.com slash commons. Um, and one, one last thing that might be fun to just say, you can send us a question or a comment, uh, by, you know, like doing like a, Hey, this is, you know, Ben from Indianapolis, and you're listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. You can just do that. You can ask us a question. Oh. If you go to um, gravityleadership.com slash message <clears throat> and click the start recording button, um, if you do record a little uh, intro for the podcast, we'll put it on a future episode. Oh, yeah. um, or if you have a question, you can do that. Uh, you can hit us up there. Okay? Yes. Sounds Those good. are our there's, blurbs there's for caveats, today. Right? There's caveats, there's right? Caveats? So stay away from the swears. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Stay with right. swears. No guarantees, um, right? No conspiracy theories. Yep. Scatological uh, humor. We're going no to have to... No one wants to join your multi-level marketing scheme. Right. Yeah, that's not what we're don't doing. Don't record Anything while Ponzi on Ponzi a schemes. treadmill. Don't record <laughs> yeah, while don't on a treadmill. That. That's like off limits. <laughs> <Don't do that. laughs> yeah. It's going to that's gonna cause more questions <laughs> in our listeners' minds than we want to answer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, dude, just, if you just want to record, like, hey, this is... You know, Ben from Indianapolis or whatever your name is from whatever your town is. And you're listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Gravityleadership.com slash message. Okay. Well, yep. Matt, tell well, us about our interview today. Uh, we talked with Carlene Hill Byron about her book, Not Quite Fine, Mental Health, Faith, and Showing Up for One Another. Um, mm. One of the things that's been, uh, I put it in like five things I'm learning <clears throat> about being trauma-informed. I think there's a larger category. Of yeah. just how mental health is, um, uh, we need to make room for it in the church. And we need mm-hmm. to understand it better, and how it relates to what we call spiritual health, and how they are not discrete arenas, but they also aren't the same thing. And so, yeah. helping us navigate this and wisdom, uh, and in faith as Christians, is uh, we're looking for voices, we're recruiting voices to sort of mentor us and help us. And Carlene is one yeah. of those. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a great book. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Get the book. It's worth the read. And uh, let's get into the interview. Carlene Hill Byron, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, Carlene is a fundraiser and a communicator for nonprofits that serve people with disabilities and other life challenges. She's been an editor for uh, various uh, publications and a volunteer for uh, the Maine Health Hospital System and is active in her Lutheran church. She's written a book called Not Quite Fine, Mental Health, Faith, and Showing Up for One Another. And that's what we're going to chat about today. Before we jump in, Carlene, what else do we need to know about you? Well, people who open the book will discover really quickly that I don't just know about mental health challenges from volunteer work and from family members and friends, but I've been on the inside of mental health challenges with my first diagnosis more than 40 years ago, and 
more than 40 years of pretty close to every kind of treatment that's available, with the exception mm-hmm. of electroconvulsive therapies <laughs> and other dangerous, dangerously invasive approaches. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty well experienced with this yeah. topic. Yeah, and I I wonder what what is what has your experience been like with with being treated for decades? Like, are, is it mostly frustration? Is there breakthrough followed by setbacks? How would you categorize it? It's looking back at it over forty years time. It has tracked a lot with the history of how mental health has been treated during that period. So my first diagnosis was reactive or situational depression. Literally, the therapist said, you are a textbook case. If anyone had had your experience, they would be depressed. (laughs) But then, you know, within a decade, the diagnostic manual changed. The situational depression diagnosis no longer existed. And I began to be treated as if my depressions were simply a biochemical disorder. Yes. And that eventually led to a new doctor when I had moved to a new city, changing up a treatment strategy that had worked for 12 years of taking an antidepressant only when needed. And by changing that strategy to a constant flow of antidepressants, created symptoms of bipolar disorder for the first time in my life. So, and then it was a seven-year merry-go-round of trying to get those symptoms under control. So, it's been the kind of challenging experience that I think a lot of people have had where there are things that work, there are doctors that are effective, and there are doctors who don't seem able to respect the work of other doctors <laughs> and yeah. to build on that instead of trying to find their own diagnosis and treatment strategy. Mm. Yeah, and it can be difficult as someone who has mental illness to advocate for yourself in the in the medical industry because you you feel like you want to put yourself at the care of an expert. Um, but then you just mentioned in your story, like expertise changes, or there there are various theories about what can work, and so then you get caught up, right, in the winds of maybe drug companies. <laughs> well, there's there's certainly some element of the drug companies piece of it. One example of which being when I moved back here to Maine, one of the medicines that I'm on, nobody has heard of, but that's because it's a medicine that my doctor in North Carolina knew about because it was manufactured near us. Mm. And so there are certainly some pieces like that. Advocacy within the medical system when you have a diagnosis is a complex issue for a bunch of reasons. Um, I don't like to use the word stigma because I think discrimination is generally more accurate. Hmm. There's real discrimination against people who have diagnoses. And so it doesn't matter if you're going to your psychiatrist or your GP, if they see a list of psych meds on your profile, they are going to start discounting (laughs) chunks of what you have to say. And that's very frustrating. Hmm. You, if you are handling your care wisely, 
you're also relying on trusted others to help mediate your understanding of what's going on, even in with your care providers, but those others have to be trustworthy. And unfortunately, one of the care models that has been propagated during the period that I've been treated involves those trusted others using threats on the order of do what your doctor says or I will cut off relations with you. And that's not a partner advocacy approach. That's an isolating approach that damages a person's ability to self-advocate. And then, of course, there's just the usual bipolar person's joke about trying to handle self-advocacy and care. You have to go to your 15-minute appointment with a list of concerns, a list of symptoms, a list of issues that you want to discuss. And you have to have it all on paper because you've only got 15 minutes and you have to say it speaking slowly so they won't decide you're manic. Mm. Wow. Wow. So I so appreciate you giving texture to that four decade sort of summary, just a little bit of texture Carlene, because I think it it helps uh, bring something that often seems distant to many of us uh, into sort of it humanizes us and makes it personal. One of the things you talk about right at the beginning of this book is that the mental health crisis we're facing and how it's uh, rapidly expanding uh, or accelerating. Can you speak a bit to why you think that is? First, I don't think that a mental illness crisis is expanding. Um, To start with, if these are in fact biological disorders, it's really improbable that in the last 30 years we've mutated so radically (laughs) that there's this hugely larger portion of us suffering from genetic disorders of this kind. I do think that there's a couple things that have happened in this last three decades in the West, in the wealthy West, that have exacerbated our problems. And they have a lot to do with people becoming isolated from one another, with establishing for themselves exaggerated life expectations and ideas of what a normal and healthy and adequate life looks like that cause us to think our lives are without meaning and purpose if we are not some kind of Instagram perfect or Mm. short-term missionary perfect or whatever our own particular measurement is of perfection. Mm. We have lost our, not just our willingness, but in many cases our ability to experience belonging. And there's a lot of things that feed that. And I'm very concerned for younger people coming forward because we are not training young people in the skills of ordinary friendship. We're training them in the skills of driving three hours to the competitive softball league game and then driving three hours back, which is a whole different thing. 
so we've just we're isolating ourselves from all the things that make us the human beings that God designed us to be. And the outcome is that we're not experiencing ourselves as human beings. We're experiencing ourselves as disordered. And that makes total sense. Yeah. But looking for a solution in a room where we talk to a professional about what's wrong is not an adequate answer. It can be part of the answer for some people, but it's not an adequate answer. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. This is uh, what you're describing is mental health as not uh, solely a biological or chemical thing, but as a social reality, uh, an adaptive, uh, maladaptive sort of uh, formation. There's also research being done in addiction right now that Mm -hmm. talks about the same thing, that addiction is treated sort of biologically or chemically, and it's more of a social, even learning disorder it's the brain adapting to challenges and stimulus in in ways that are that are less helpful than others. Uh, I wonder, Christy and Ben, have you have you all heard of mental health spoken of like this, or is this like a, a new thing that that Carlene's sharing? I, I mean, I've I've begun to hear about um, you know things like that. Um, definitely, that there's a kind of a, a different way uh, of looking at it that. Um, yeah, it sort of it takes the st- stigma uh, out of it uh, a bit more um, because I think the yeah I mean Carlene you alluded to this but like the way that we used to look at these things was as if uh, people had some say you know in you know in this in these things it's sort of like they chose to be depressed or they they chose to um, have this you know mental health struggle that kind of a thing and so I think you know treating treating them in, uh, in this new way is, is really helpful, you know, and, but it, it does take a while to, you know, kind of get over that stigma, I think, for a lot of people. It seems, Carlene, I wonder if you can kind of double click on this, but it seems like the way you're talking about this is we are holistic people, right? And so we have to take the whole of the person in when we think about mental health and, um, you know, I, I don't know what the statistic is. I think it's like 50% of people in their lifetime are going to be diagnosed of some sort of mental health. Um, I guess, is that true? And then if we are thinking more holistically about people and the person, um, is that kind of what you're getting at, I guess, is my question. Well, in terms of whether it's true that 50% will be diagnosed, that's what the U.S. Centers for Disease Control projects. And so when I hear that and 
I'm going to say, I was my high school's math team captain, okay? So if you tell me that half of us are going to be mentally ill and half of us aren't, that just says to me that half of us have better mental health than the other half. That's not a diagnostic thing at all. That's mm-hmm. just a mathematical norm. And when we've expanded our idea of what a mental health diagnosis is to the point that it only describes this mathematical norm, half of us are better off than the other half. What the heck is that? Hmm. Whereas what we've lived with as a culture for, as cultures globally for millennia, is the idea that horrible things happen and people help each other live through them. And part of what has been so devastating in COVID is that horrible things are happening and people have forgotten how to help each other. And to some extent, the ways that we're approaching COVID in terms of social isolation and physical isolation have made it harder for people to help each other also. We have to acknowledge that. But there is simply no getting away from the fact that horrible things happen to people and people do help each other through them. And that's what we're called to do in this world. Yeah. And that's the strength, I think, of your book, Carlene, as I I received it, is I, I think that, I mean, just being trained for ministry, being a pastor, I didn't have to take any classes on mental health. Uh, I think the only thing that was ever mentioned to me is, hey, make sure you've got a good doctor you can refer people to. Uh, you, you outsource mental health, and you deal primarily with spiritual health. Now, I think there is some wisdom in, as a leader, pastor, parent, friend, knowing your limitations, knowing mm-hmm. what you can and can't do. But your book, I think, w- the, the strength of the book is the last, I don't know, 200 pages of it, is essentially like, here's how we show up for each other. Here is what you can do. And so I wonder I wonder if we could explore that a bit with you. Um, wh- why do you think it's, for instance, depression and anxiety, why do you think this is so intimidating for us to enter into? Why do I think it's intimidating for church leaders and other people to enter yeah. into? Yes, thank you. Yes. A really huge reason in our lifetimes is that the care has become professionalized. And so we really have been trained that we're not competent to help. That, that I think, is truly a piece. I mean, I love the Canadian Medical Association's um, re-examination of the Winnie the Pooh stories and recognizing that almost all the characters are diagnosable. And so... <laughs> You know, what does it mean that Christopher Robin manages to keep everybody trundling along when there's ADHD and social anxiety and clinical depression and all these other things? Um, You know, some of it is because nobody's told him he needs to send them to the psychiatrist. (laughs) And honey might be just as good for poo as, you know, a bottle of pills. (laughs) Um. There, I mean, there's a real piece that um, we are dealing with some manifestations of depression and anxiety right now that go beyond 
what prior generations have seen, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, we see in freshman college students about triple the anxiety rate. Um, I, I feel overwhelmed by everything I have to do than we saw just two generations ago. And the rise in rates of suicide and overdose death are staggering in 30 years' time. Um, actually, the rise in overdose death just in the last two years is staggering. It's up 25% in the U.S. Mm. And so we have these things that are really huge and scary. And a lot of our treatment strategies are built around the idea that we have to figure out a way to keep these horrible things from happening in people's lives. And I have to say, from knowing a lot of people who deal with mental health problems and from having dealt with a number of people's suicide attempts and suicide deaths, we can't always prevent those things. And that's, that's a hard reality. So the question is, what do we do to help hold people in a positive present that allows them to be the best person that they can, given the issues they're struggling with? And what, is it possible for us to help them to experience less sadness and less anxiety when we have our arms around them pointing forward towards hope that really is something that, I mean, hope really Hope isn't a feeling, it's, it's the reality of life in God. And when we can point people to reality and help guide even the tiniest faltering steps forward into reality, we help folks get through and past these really difficult things that have gotten pretty i mean they've they've reached pretty scary levels yeah around us yeah one of the things i appreciated about how you made uh mental health less um less intimidating for me to to approach people who are suffering in depression anxiety is you name these two main human needs that we have you've already mentioned belonging uh and you mentioned also kind of meaning or or significance like I, what i what i do matters and who i am matters and I, I wonder maybe if you could if we could just talk real practical here uh how do we show up for one another and communicate this when those things are under attack or threatened oh it is so often such tiny things so I'm scheduled soon to help a friend who lives with depression put up her Christmas tree. And I did that last year. And that is a way that I show up for her. I have a set of friends with whom I will be spending Christmas. And I spent Thanksgiving with them and Fourth of July with them and Easter with them. And that is a way they show up for me. And those say that to me, to them, we are people with value. We matter. Um, in my congregation right now, um, we are 
about to call a new pastor. And so I've been writing the press release because that's one of my skills and my congregation values that. That says that who I am, what I can do has value. That's a small thing, not spiritual at all. It's just a press release, right? (laughs) But it's something that I can do and that my congregation values. Um, Every weekend, I spend a couple hours as a chaplain in an assisted living facility. And whether I am just talking with somebody or helping them figure out the right words for a condolence note to someone or listening to their um, moment, their difficulties of the moment, which may or may not, depending on their age, be even understandable to me. Um, I may be talking to someone who's barely able to articulate in this reality. By being present there, I am articulating to them that they have value. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, a phrase keeps coming to mind of something I was convicted of really actually a month ago where I was seeing the package and not the person. And I, and what I, when I hear you talk, I hear you kind of saying, we need to see the person, not not the other stuff. Um, and if we can see the person and love them where they are, I mean, that's what we're called to do as the big C church, right? Um, and that I think that is why people look at the church or look at people who are followers of Jesus and say, you're a hypocrite because you're not loving people, you know, and, and, um, and you're seeing the package and not the person. And that can come across in lots of different ways, but um, particularly here in mental health. That's a really good point, Christy. And I think perhaps some of what becomes difficult for people is how complex or confusing the word love is for folks. I mean, it's not inappropriate that we recognize that God has called us to love one another as he has loved us, which is you know, to the point of the utmost sacrifice. At the same time, he also loved us by feeding us on that mountainside when there was no food for 5,000. And he loved us just by walking and talking with us and helping us understand things better. Um, Loved us by being there and weeping when our brother died there are so many ways that God loves us and that God has modeled that love to us. And we tend to get that word wrapped up in a lot of complications when Mm -hmm. perhaps the easiest thing is to understand that he called us not his servants, but his friends. And Mm -hmm. what would it be to be friends to one another? Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, the book provokes the the kairos for me, Carlene, is that we we actually we actually and this goes back to your 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 point you made right at the beginning is we actually have lost the ability to be good friends. Yeah. It's a funny thing. I was walking down my loft stairwell this morning and I've got a couple of early twentieth century framed pieces 
that are little poems about friendship. And I was looking at these and thinking, you would never see these in a 21st century home. We hmm. don't talk about friendship. We don't talk about, um, we don't elevate friendship. We wouldn't send people these lovely postcards about their friendship. Um, it's just not part of who we are anymore. We don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe as we wind down here, what are some, you've mentioned a few things uh, in the beginning of how we communicate significance to people, mm-hmm. but you mentioned two like practical um Practical commitments we can make in our toolkit. One one was was humility, and one was fearlessness. Can you maybe provoke our imagination a bit, either through stories or examples or even exhortations, how those two things play together to help us be better friends to everyone, but including those who have mental health struggles? One of the stories I tell in the book is about a Salvation Army officer who had the fellow sitting in the front row that every pastor is terrified of, Sunday evening service, who, after squirming around for a couple of minutes, raises his hand with a question, and you answer that, and then he raises his hand again, and what are you going to do, right? So you end up in, Pete was really smart, and just invited him back to his, invited him to join him in his office after the service. And that conversation pretty quickly goes to the guy acknowledging to Pete that the aliens that he has a mind meld with in his brain want to know, did Jesus die for them too? Hmm. And that's a question that I don't think anybody's seminary training has prepared them for. I didn't have a class about that. No. Maybe, yeah. maybe Ben's. Ben's went to an My, intergalactic seminary, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't necessarily trained for this, but my first response when you said that was, that's a, that's a really good question, actually. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, anyway. you know, it took both humility and fearlessness for Pete to be in that setting um, yeah. and mm-hmm. to sit there and say, well, let me think with you for a minute, you know? Jesus is God's only son, and he died once for all. And so, yes, I think he died for the aliens also. Yeah. And, but it's really, it is challenging to be without fear when you don't even understand <laughs> the universe that someone is speaking in. Mm-hmm. Um <sighs> It's hard to be we are we're it's hard to be humble when we've been trained to look towards and push towards solutions all the time. And yeah. so when you have a friend who can't get past their depression, shouldn't you just give up on their toxic negativity, right? And walk mm, away. Because you are the average right. of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Hmm. Um wow. Now, when when someone tells me that, I come back and say, okay, I'm a Christian. So the five people I spend the most time with are Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and myself. That doesn't leave much time for anyone else to influence me. There you go. There you um, go. I like your math. <laughs> former math team captain, I told mm-hmm. you. All right. You got, you got it. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, 
I, th- I think Carlene, I, yeah, I wanted to comment on that because I think um, just your quick sort of re-narrating of some of those situations, you know, toxic negativity and all of that kind of thing. I think that's, um, I don't know, I, I think they're, I, I think you're pointing to something really important for us to explore because, you know, there is, there probably is such a thing as toxic negativity, but when you mix in like mental health challenges and all this stuff and depression, um, it, it's, it's not as easy or cut and dried as we might think to figure out what's faithful and healthy and helpful. It's difficult hmm. to navigate these challenges. And I will say, I think earlier generations may have had an easier time because no one mm. was telling them to look for a diagnosis. They were just trying to live yeah. through these situations. Yeah. Um, I think of my friend, my late friend, Ruth's family, who in that case, they lived with alcoholism. And um, this would have been in the 1930s in Boston. And when her father came home drunk, mom would rush the kids out of the house and they'd sleep in the nearby bus station. And they were well enough known there that when her dad walked by on the way to work, the porter would wake them up and say, it's okay to go home now. He's left. But that's a community level intervention that we, and and a long-term patience. Ruth says that her mother said she could never leave her father, her husband, because she didn't know if he knew Jesus. And we can't even in this time imagine that kind of commitment. And I'm not a hundred, I'm not saying that people should be staying with their abusive alcoholic spouses. I'm just observing that our ability to commit as individuals and communities to people who are in difficulty is really much less now than it was. Even Ruth would be yeah. four generations ago. Yeah. Yeah. Carlene, yeah. you 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 talk about this, how our culture undermines our mental health and how there's patterns and and mm. and orbits that work against human flourishing that are kind of baked into our culture, our society. Um but I I think I want to name just one other thing as we wrap up here. Uh I, I wonder you know, those a lot of people listen to our podcast, but there's a lot of parents whose kids have mm-hmm. mental health issues. There's a lot of people who work professionally who are responsible to and for employees who have mental health issues. There's a lot of uh, adult children of their parents who are uh, having mental health issues. There's And then there's a lot of pastors who listen who have congregants that have mental health issues. Most of us feel this internal pressure, like you said, to demonstrate some kind of mastery, competency, expertise to solve and fix these things. And I think we come by it honestly, you know, we get mm-hmm. master's degrees, you know, we don't get we don't get fearlessness degree or humility <laughs> degree. Uh, and so I think your call to uh, move towards people, show up for people with a humble fearlessness that I I can't fix this. I don't know what you need. Maybe all you need me to say is I don't know what you need, but I'm here and I'm I'm willing to learn. And and I think that's such a good freeing gift for those of us who I think our desire to love people with mental health 
outstrips our competency or experience. It's mm-hmm. well said. So thank you. Well, and I agree. That's very well said, Matt. Yeah. Well, thank you for your book, Carlene. Again, the book is called Not Quite Fine, Mental Health, Faith, and Showing Up for One Another. Carlene, if people wanted to connect with you uh, anywhere online, are you? do you hang out in any place online, or do you publish things that people can read? Um, I have a Carlene Hill Byron writer Facebook feed and a blog, Church and Mental Illness, that people mm. will find me on. And those are probably the primary online locations where you'd find me. Great. Well, we'll put those uh, that information in the show notes. Carlene, thanks for spending time with us today. And thank you for your book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me. Good to meet you all. You too. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.